I'm a, became a GG, and uh, I, I, I love my boys. They, they uh, are just precious, and God is so good, and getting the privilege to dedicate our little mighty man of God this morning was just awesome and uh, such a privilege. And so let's just go to the prayer real quick and ask Father to have his way this morning. Thank you, Father, for the word. Thank you for the anointed word. Father, thank you, Lord, for what you do. I submit myself. Father, I yield myself over to you. Father, I just declare right now this is good ground. If y'all would, just come put your hands on your heart this morning and declare this. This is good ground. Father, the word that is spoken this morning, Father, let it take root. Let it produce a fruit and a harvest. Let it be a fruit that will remain. The enemy, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus and say you have no authority to come steal this word this morning. Father, that it falls on fertile ground, on good ground, and it produces what it sets forth to do. And so I breathe life on this word, and I declare for it to accomplish what it sets forth to do. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen, amen. Well, you know, Mom Day, Mother's Day is a, is a you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a great day established by somebody probably that worked at Hallmark and the flower industry or whatever. But it is a special time to, um, you know, a, a day set aside to honor moms, right? I personally think moms should, you know, get every single day should be mom days because for some people you wouldn't have clothes to wear if it wasn't mom's day. You might not have food to eat if it was mom's day. You may not be able to get anywhere because mom would not be there to drive you. Come on, you know, moms make the world go round. I was just, I was really taken aback this morning when all the moms came down. Now I bought, uh, I think I had 40, uh, journals and little books that I had purchased and and uh and I think that we might have ran out there at the end and and I looked up and it was just kind of grim here we've got some powerful anointed mamas in the house this morning ain't the end man I tell you you know I've had the privilege to say it and I believe it there's nothing more powerful than an anointed woman of God who knows who she is in Christ Jesus let me tell you what we can kick the devil's bootay out the door and rule our home alongside our anointed men of God. Amen. So whatever it falls for you on this Mother's Day, I know that there's a lot of emotions that come with this. Many of you have your mom still here, and I encourage you to love on them today or call them if you can't get to see them or, or uh, tell them how much you love them. Some of us, like myself and Paul, we don't uh, get to see our moms to this, for this moment. Um, but we celebrate their life and their impact and their for us. So I know there's many of you that may be missing your mom. Um, and so wherever we find ourselves this day, just know that um, being a mom, whether we are, 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 are a great mom or we're an okay mom or sometimes we just suck at it, you know, it is the greatest privilege to get to be called mom. <laughs> it is. There's no such thing as a perfect mom. If there is, just get on and walk out of here because it's not. There's no, no such thing. I first became a mom when I was 23 years old. And I gave birth to Joel in upstate New York. And for about it, two years, I did it by myself. Um, you know, Paul was there with me and he was a great help, but he had a job that kept him working a lot and going off and it was long distance calling at that time so I didn't get to call my mom but maybe once a week um, there was no Google so I had a little book called Dr. Spock does anybody remember the Dr. Spock book and if he had a rash behind his left knee then I had to go and look up at the back of the index rash 
knee and I had to look and see and go okay he's good now you got WebMD and you google it and you're thinking oh my gosh it's a rash behind his knee this is the possibility let somebody take him to the emergency room right sometimes too much knowledge is a little dangerous right I didn't halfway know what I was doing when I was 23 years old but I raised him up and and we just survived the first winter in New York together and didn't I didn't go stir crazy and then I didn't become a mom again until I was 30. And uh, I definitely was a different mom at 30 than I was when I was at 23. I was working full time. I was teaching. And, and six weeks after I gave birth to uh, Jordan, I had to go back to work and had to put her in uh, daycare. And it was, um, I cried for, I think, the first six weeks when I had to leave her. And, and so I was a different mom at that point, and then lo and behold, <laughs> at 41, I'm pregnant again. Woohoo! And so, definitely a different mom at 41 than I was at 23. But you know, when I start thinking about it, I have just been, I have been mothering longer than I have not been mothering. I am just exhausted this morning. Can I just get a hallelujah? I still have a beautiful 15-year-old that I love that missed me desperately, and I think she's fabulous. Um, my husband that missed me desperately this week, and I have a dog that missed me more than all of them combined. <clears throat> and so I'm just, I'm a different mother than I am to Jordan, I mean to Izzy than I was to Jordan and that I was to Joel. I'm just different. When Joel was little, you know, if he had a pacifier that dropped, I, dropped, I picked it up. I ran immediately to the sink and I washed it and I had boiling water and I put the passy in the boiling water and I would take it out, you know, and clean it off and put it back in. Jordan would come along when she came and she dropped her passy. I would jump it up, I'd pick it up and I'd run it under the water and stick it back in her mouth. You know, when Izzy came along, if the passy dropped, I spit on it, rubbed on my face and put it back in her mouth. I'm a different mom. I just don't stress about a lot of things that I did when I was 23, right? You know? Um, but I'm proud of my children. I'm proud of my children. I am proud that my children picked fabulous spouses. I am proud of Serena. I am proud of that amazing girl and everything that she has brought into our life. I feel like, Yvonne, I share her with you because Serena came to us when she was like 17 years old, I think the first time I met her, and I just watched her grow up. And, and uh, so I, I, I feel like um, not only am I privileged to call her my daughter-in-law, but you know, uh, she's my friend, and how special is that, right? You know, it took me a long time to be friends with my mother-in-law. <laughs> long time. <laughs> a long time. I love her, Raggy, mm, I love you. But she was so critical of everything that I did. I couldn't do anything right. I couldn't wash clothes right. I couldn't fold clothes. I couldn't, I couldn't cook right. I, I, I didn't wear the right clothes. It was just, so I was like, when I get to be a mother-in-law, I'm going to be the best mother-in-law ever. I am not going to be critical. I'm going to be encouraging, and I'm going to do all the things that I wish that she did, and I'm going to be her friend. And it took us a long while, but Raggy and I became friends. And then um, Jordan picked the, probably the most handsome fella that has lived in Minden ever. And Hutton Woods is, is he is, I'm sorry, in Dixie Inn. <laughs> we'll we'll narrow that, Paul said. Um, man, I, I, I knew from the moment that um, that spark had hit with Hutton. Serena and I both knew. We like, yeah, we knew it. We like, we're going to get him. <laughs> we're going to get him. 
Let's pray and get him. Took us a little while to get him. Praise the Lord, we got him. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And so I prayed for Serena. I prayed for Hutton before they were ever materialized. And then, who knows with, Joy, with Izzy what we're going to get, you know? But whoever it is, praise the Lord. Pressure's on. She's got a real high bar to reach, don't y'all think? Come on, Serena Hutton, come on. You got, you got to really dig deep. But as, I'm as proud as I am of my children, come on, I have a lot of spiritual children in this house. I got a lot of y'all that I claim as my own. <laughs> and I am, I am so blessed to have spiritual sons and daughters. You know, uh, Teresa, I am proud to be a generational mom. Because not only do I have spiritual children in this house, I've got spiritual grandchildren. And uh, it's the privilege. And I, I'm going to minister briefly out of the scriptures. And, and uh, I've never ministered on these scriptures before. <clears throat> and as I begin to look into it and I begin to read it, I've heard lots of messages on this. But it really took on a new form for me. And I, I love this. Okay, if I can pick it up. I love this. I love this word. I love this word because in this word is life. Come on, it's life. And if you read this word and you begin to delve into this word, you realize how incredible the Father is that he shows us that living a life, a successful kingdom life, okay, because you can live any kind of life you choose, but if you want to live a successful kingdom life, he gives us everything we need, instructions of how to do it. And what I love about this is that in our life, there is no guarantee that we're not going to have problems, that we're not going to have issues, that we're not going to have circumstances, that we're not going to have valleys, that we're going to have shadows we got to walk through. Life is messy. Life is difficult. Life is hard. And sometimes... It's just takes sometimes everything you got in you sometimes to get up in the morning, right? You know, to go do which, the things that you have to do. There's difficult seasons that we walk in and we walk out of. And I love how the Word never tells us that living the kingdom life is just going to be, a, you know, roses and sunshine and everything's great and you're never going to have a problem so come on down and sign on the dotted line and meet this man named Jesus at least that's never been on my case and I know I've walked through some places with y'all and it's just not that way life is messy and it's hard and it's difficult I think that when you have to go through these things you realize that When you, walk, when you begin to walk through these things, that there's this pressure that somehow begins to take root at you. You know, I've made this comment, and I believe it with everything in me. It's not that the Father does not have compassion and care about what our issues and our circumstances in our life is all about. Because what kind of God would not care? I serve a compassionate God. I, care, I, I serve a God that loves me unconditionally. And of course he cares. But what I have found that he cares more about is what is happening to me when I'm walking through that circumstance, when I'm in the middle of that mess, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm trying to walk this thing out. What is coming out of me? 
Well, when you're in that mess, when you're in that circumstance where you're in that, something begins to squeeze at you. And what is inside of you is what's going to come out. So if you don't have this inside you, guess what? It ain't coming out of you. If you don't have worship, if you don't have a relationship with him, if you don't have presence, if you don't have this thing that's inside of you, when the issues and the circumstances and the pressure of life begin to squeeze, you don't have it in you. It ain't coming out of you. Stuff, other stuff's coming out. Fear, come on, doubt, anxiety, worry, you know, a a, 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 a you could just pick a, out of a deck of a cards when something hits you in the gut and you, and you find yourself having to deal with this messy thing that has, has knocked on your door or has gotten in the car with you or has, 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 has put its hand on your shoulder. What is the thing that's inside of you that's going to come out? And in these scriptures that I'm going to talk to you about, and we're going to look over in this, this doesn't just apply to motherhood. This applies to any human that has got a heartbeat this morning. Put your hand on your heart. Is your heart beating? <laughs> Are we all, we all alive in here? All right. So this is something you can take and you can apply. And that you, it doesn't just have to be with moms. It's just coming from a mom's perspective. So let's go into Exodus, the second chapter. We're going to read through verses 1 through 10. And this is about Moses' mother. So we're going to read. It says, about this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. And the woman became pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby. I love that. See, mothers, we have the capability to see, right? We have the capability to see into our children. And she saw that he was a special baby. And she kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. And she put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the what? The Nile. River. I like that. You like that? The Nile, not the Nile Lake, not the Nile Pond, not the Nile Swamp, but the Nile River. <laughs> All right. Next one. So the baby's sister... Then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. And soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the river bank. And when the princess saw that the baskets among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. And when the princess opened it, she saw this special baby. And the little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, please do, the princess replied. So the girl went, and she called the baby's mother. Take this baby, nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. Come on, I will give you money. And so the woman took her baby home and nursed him. And later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son, and the princess named, his mo named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. I love these scriptures, because this, this particular thing, because we all know, we've all watched the Ten Commandments. We know that Moses was, a, was the beginning of the deliverer. God placed that same anointing, that same thing in Moses that was the precursor to what the ultimate deliverer would be, would be Jesus, right? And so here this mother finds herself in a position where at the time Pharaoh had issued an order 
that all male babies were to be killed. So here she finds herself, and she's, she's pregnant. She delivers this baby, and it's a baby boy. And she looks at the baby, and she realizes with all the wisdom and the guidance and the understanding that can come only from the father that this is a special baby. This is a baby that is special. This is a baby that has a call. Come on. Every single one of us have a call. This is a baby that has a destiny. Come on, every single one of us have a destiny. This is a baby that has gifts and talents and abilities. Every single one of us have a gifts and talents and abilities. But sometimes you just got to have somebody that sees it in you, that will speak it over you, that will declare it over you, that will tell it to you. And praise God for anointed mamas who know when we got a special baby, who look at those babies and say, this is a special baby. This baby got this baby got the goods. This baby has got, it, it is anointed and it is appointed and it is full of God's favor. And that's exactly what she did. She saw and recognized and believed and imparted that into this baby. And it says she did it as long as she could do it. She hid him for three months. And when she could no longer do it, she found herself in a position of what was she going to do? Come on, an issue of life hit her square in the face. So what is she going to do? And so what was in her began to squeeze out, I believe, in this moment. So she had a decision to make. Come on, mama's in here. You know that there are seasons in your life when you were raising your children that you are kind of caught like... I want to say in the, almost at the edge of like a Nile River where you know that there is something that you're going to have to do to release this child into the hands of the father. And sometimes it's a simple thing as the first day you drop them off at preschool, you know, and you have to walk away and you have to trust that they're going to go to this school or the first time they get on the school bus and you just kind of have to watch them. You know, it might come when they get their driver's license and you have to hand over the keys, right? And you got to say, okay, be careful. And you just kind of have to release that baby, you know, to know, oh my God, they're driving. Everybody get out of the way, <laughs> you know. Maybe it's when you stand and you watch your child and you have to release your child to be married. When you release them, then you have to go to college and you have to walk away from college and you have to drive off and leave them there. I mean, there are so many moments in their life that you stand at the place where of the unknown for your children, right? The unknown of what's going to happen and how's it going to happen. And I think there was this thing in her that there said that I know for myself that I've had to rely on time and time and time again is that when I get to that place, am I going to be able to trust the Father to know that he can take care of this situation because I can't? So here she finds herself and she creates this basket and she has to trust that God is going to somehow, God is going to somehow show up miraculously. God is going to somehow be able to take this crazy circumstance where her child is on the point of, of being found, could immediately be killed, that she's got to muster something up inside of her that would say that I would release my child and put it in the basket and trust that the father can do something. So I, I looked up on the Nile River. Do you know the Nile River is a dangerous, dangerous place? Listen to some of the things that I saw that the Nile River has. First of all, they have snakes. Big, bad snakes. And, and, and if y'all don't know this, I am deathly afraid of 
snakes. And they, they have in the Nile River, they have this thing called a black mamba. I don't know. I just kind of see like a little, you know, with the marachi on his head, a little, you know, a little snake coming up the Lyle River. A black mambo. I don't think that's it, is it? All right. They also have these crocodiles. Listen to this. They have crocodiles that can go 30 miles an hour. They can weigh up to 1,650 pounds and get up to 20 feet long. That's in the Nile River. They also have these things called hippopotamuses, and I always thought hippos were, like, really cute, you know, like, like a little hippo, you know? A cute little hippos. They're just so cute. They're not cute? No, hippos are dangerous. Dangerous, like sharp teeth. Like, apparently a hippo can, like, destroy one of these crocodiles that they're more dangerous than the crocodile can be, which I, I find is crazy because I love, like, little, little you know, cartoon hippos. So here, just think about this. This mother had to create a basket and to put her baby in the river where there are black mambos and crocodiles that are larger than the state of Idaho and, and, and hippos and trust that God's going to take care of it. What was in her? Had to have something, Right? It had to be something that was inside of her to be able to trust the Father that he could take care of this situation. Now, I love this part, too. Listen to this. Baby Moses had something. He had a sister. He had an older sister that was looking out for baby Moses. Come on. I am the, I am the fifth of five girls. I had four older sisters. And let me tell you what. My sister would fight a black mambo for me. She would cut its throat and put it on the frying pan for me. Let me tell you, how many, who's, who's big sisters in here? Come on, raise your hand if you're a big sister. Come on. Come, get your hand down, Jeremy. Come on. Big sisters. Do we look out? Do we look out for our little brothers and sisters? Do we look out, Courtney, for them? You better believe it. A lot of times you could do what you would want to me, but, but, well, I don't have a little sister. So sad. So, I've, okay, Serena, sometimes people could do something to you, but would they mess with your little sister? Oh, she would cut, she would cut them. Come on, big sister's in here. I've seen, I know Jordan would come, she would come with, with nails flaring if something was coming near Izzy Gray. I know it. Serena would take a ice pick, you know? I get a graphic, ice pick. Come on, mess with her. I, I got you. Listen what she did. She watched Moses. Thank God for big sisters. Amen. If you're a big sister, give yourself a pat on the back. Good job, big sisters. We take care of our siblings. Amen. And us little sisters, we just take it. Yeah, just, I'm just so happy. I don't have to worry because my big sisters are taking care of it. And so here she is she's watching as baby moses and she's watching and she's looking she's looking for one of them alligators you know she is she got her eyeballs out looking if there's a big mambo coming around she's watching for him and she sees the destiny of that child right before her eyes and as the princess finds the baby she calls who the sister to her you can't make this stuff up and says, hey, listen, do you know anybody that could nurse this baby? 
And baby sister said, actually, I do. I know someone. And so here she goes off, gets mama. Mama has the baby out of the Nile River. Mama's got the baby. Mama's nursing the baby. And mama gets to see the hand of God at work. Man, that's so good. Because a dangerous situation on, with God's breath on it, with your faith placed on it, can immediately turn around and can be the moment of history being changed in that moment. Moses never would have found his destiny if his mother had not trusted God enough to release him into it. As moms, listen. It's hard. It's hard to... Learn how to place your most precious possession into the hands of God. So you little mamas out there with little babies. Come on, Miss Jenny, that, that precious baby. Serena and Jordan, who are some of my little babies? Courtney, you still have little, little babies. Yeah, Allison, she's not here, but we know she's still raising up those little ones. We got little bitty ones, little bitty ones. And it's hard sometimes to trust the fact that when our babies aren't right there with us, it's so hard to learn how to walk in that faith and trust in knowing that God is able to take care of these babies. Our, our, our older moms that that um, have children who are dating and who are driving. And, you know, it's hard sometimes to just be able to rest in the assurance that even though I'm not there, that God will take care of my children. Um, especially, like, in this environment. Come on, teenage parents, listen to me. This has been a Nile River of, of navigating what it's like to try to raise a teenagers these days. I'm, I'm not kidding. I mean, I'm, like I said, I raised one in the 80s and the 90s, the 2000s, and, you know, I'm keeping going. I have never experienced anything quite like what it's been with Izzy. Because this little thing right here, hand me that. This little thing right here, I'm going to tell you what. This is one of the most dangerous things that could ever be placed in the hands of your child. I'm telling you, you just, you just have to rely and trust in the fact that the Holy Ghost will let you know when you need to grab that phone. You need to make sure, mamas, that you have put protection on those phones, that you are checking those text messages, that you do not let your children have Snapchat, you do not let your children have TikTok. Listen to what I am saying. Give me a shout. All the teenagers are saying, be quiet, Pastor Ginger. But I'm telling you, there is an enemy out there. There are predators out there. And it is, it is difficult there are, why do you think that we have seen so many, so many young women and young men who, who have just had this crazy thing that they, that, they, that they end their life and they put it out on social media? It's, it's, it, is a, it is a crazy thing that is out there. And so it's a Nile River. <laughs> And you've got to be able to trust the Father when you navigate them into those crazy things that are out there. That you are carefully, prayerfully 
releasing the power of God over their life and praying every single day that God gives you wisdom to be able to take care of these things. I don't know who that was for, but that's just for you. You can put it in your pocket and you can take it home. All right, so I honor my mom today. My mom um, was funny. It's where I get a lot of my sense of humor from. My dad was funny too. He just was kind of a dry sense of humor. But my mother was full of life. My mother was flamboyant. My mother loved flashy jewelry. And she loved bright colors. And she loved to dance. And she loved to sing. And she just loved life. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that I had a mom that released me and trusted me and allowed God to find me and allowed God to create what he needed for me to do. And all along the way, my mom knew I was a special baby. And she told me all the time that I was a special baby. I always remember with my mom, I loved to sing. My, you know, I was a little girl when I started singing, and my mother, I grew up in a very, I didn't grow up in a Greg Lee musical family, where like everybody can sing and play and harmonize like four different levels, and it's a, you know, Greg Lee's family is a, is a whole nother level of musicality, but I had uncles that played the guitar and the steel guitar, and we always got around and we sang, and so mother was always putting me up on a, on a platform, you know, and she's like, oh, time for Ginger to sing. Get on up there, Ginger, let's sing. And so I'd, you know, I'd just like prance myself up there, and, you know, I'd be ready to sing, and they would all be playing, and I would, you know, I'd be, oh, Rocky Top, you'll always be. That was one of my favorite songs that she made me sing. And so while we were sitting there, she'd just be grinning from here to here, but she's so proud my baby up there she's singing and if anyone dared to speak or talk during my ensemble she would say excuse me Ginger's singing and then my my big sister who would fight a black mambo for me up until the day that I sang at her funeral every time I would sing she would put her hands on her nose and and it was the key that she would always love to make fun of me because she said that I would sing nasally because when I got started, you know, I think, Rocky Top, you'll always be, because it would be for my nasal, you know, home sweet home to me. And she'd be out in the audience and she'd go, I was in pageants and I would be singing and I'd look out in the audience and I'd see her and she'd be doing this. <laughs> and so my mom is credited so much with everything that I am because she allowed me to have a stage and she allowed me to sing and she allowed me to teach all of my little animals in the living room and so I pay tribute to her this morning and I pay tribute to each and every one of you moms that are doing the hard stuff you're doing the hard stuff you're changing the diapers you know you're wiping the dirty noses you're sleeping sideways because you got a couple of kicks you know because they they always come to mama's side now, my kids never came to daddy's side. They come to daddy's side. If somehow we got flipped and they'd come to daddy's side, they'd be like, whoop, and they'd have to keep going. They'd, fight. they'd say, where's mama at? Okay, you know, mama'd scoot over, pull him in the bed. So to all the mamas out there, you are lovely, you are precious. We honor you today. We celebrate you today, and we just declare that you have your best day ever. This song is in memory of my mom. You know, I always play some good music. Come on, I played Journey in here. Come on, what, what? Come on, I played, uh, I played Earth, Wind, and Fire. Wasn't that, did, uh, the, I played them? Come on, I, I, love, I love some music. I've had, I've had Bob Seger in here. Yes, I have. 
take that. So this is in honor of my mom, Mrs. Stevie Wonder. Let's put it on. Let's stand to our feet. Let's love one another. Have a blessed day. God is good. And love on your mamas. Amen, amen. Put it on. Let's go.